Thank you, boy, for working so hard with that to the tank. And uh, amen. He called me up last night. He lived, like I said, a little bit like, oh, we have a lot of water upstairs. So I said, it'll be okay. So thank you, boy, for uh, he wanted to make sure it was warm and wanted to make sure that uh, it was a good Sunday. And a good Sunday happens when a lot of people work together and we pray together. Every Sunday, I have only gotten through part of my notes, so I'm kind of learning how to do that. My first Sunday, I think I had 17 pages, and I got through six. I'm like, oh, I'm... And of course, my son says, well, you got the next three weeks figured out, Dad. I said, it doesn't work that way. Uh, but we are going to turn to Psalms 51. We're going to get started. We're not going to rush through this, because this is a beautiful, beautiful, amazing passage. Lord, we pray for the reading of your word. And Lord, it says that a wise man hears your word and acts upon it, and a foolish man hears your word and does nothing with it. Lord, I've been foolish way too many times. So it goes back to this relationship, Lord, that when we hear your word, then we ask the question, what steps can I take, Lord? And we'll take the steps, and then we'll we'll fail, and then we'll get back on our knees and say, Lord, I don't need to know the steps. I need to have the power. I need to have the power that, uh, that you give so I can even uh, walk with you, Lord. So as we read of these, your words, God, that they would uh, both convict us and also inspire us, empower us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, it was rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. And again, I say rejoice and pray about everything and be anxious about Nothing. And then the week before, we talked about uh, whose door are we knocking on? That we have a gracious Father. So we go to prayer. I, I, I alluded to going to a best friend's door and knocking on that door. And that door is swung open, and there's a greeting, and there's food, and there's fellowship, and there's a sense of knowing that you belong, and that person knows your name, and that that person is it delighted that you dropped in. And so as we pray, it's like knocking on a, and it says even a, an evil father knows how to give good gifts to his son. When a son asks for a piece of bread, he doesn't give him a snake. And, if it's, and, if, and it doesn't give him a stone. And he, he knows the, uh, and he says, well, how much better will the heavenly father give? And it says that he's a gracious God. He's a, he's a righteous God. So there is that place of correction. There's a place of that conviction. But even when we have fallen short, we are welcome at his doorstep. And that's when it gets kind of real is when we haven't had such a good night or a good week. And we're still knocking because we, we're going to a place that will restore. He won't only know our name, but he'll forgive our sins. So this morning, we're going to start on the prayer of confession. And uh, no better place to start than Psalms 51. 
And these are one of the places in Scripture that uh, my other Bible downstairs is, is pretty worn out because I'm a sinner and I need to go to Psalms 51 and I need to work through the same things that King David worked through. And he starts off in verse 1 declaring whose door and how great God is. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. The character of a God is what? He's merciful. His love is unfailing. And he's a God of great compassion. David knew better. David was a man after God's own heart. David worshipped uh, deeply. And David committed sin deeply. David had an affair with Bathsheba. And later, to cover up sin, we always cover up sin. You know, God says to confess your sins. Come to me and turn. And David took his sin of adultery, because Bathsheba was married, and had eventually had her husband put on the front line. And then if we read out of Samuel, they wrote a letter and said, when Uriah is on the front line, then you withdraw from him. Put Uriah on the front line where the fighting is the fiercest. 2 Samuel chapter 11. Then withdraw from him so, you will be, so he will be struck down and die. And this is the man after God's own heart. This is a man that was chased by the first king and he didn't want to ever do anything to uh, even come against an ungodly king at that point in time. And now he has committed great sin and Nathan comes to him. And maybe next week I'll spend a little time because Nathan tells a beautiful story to, to bring conviction to David. When the Holy Spirit brings us conviction, it's to heal us and to forgive us. When the enemy comes to bring conviction, he wants to destroy us. That's how you know the difference. When you hear the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life, he is calling you out. He is being as honest as he possibly can. And it's to restore you and to bring you back in relationship. Because when we sin, what does sin do? It separates us from God. David had committed a terrible sin. He was a murderer and an adulterer. And Nathan came to him and called him out. Uh, we don't have... We, God can use what he wants. Often it's the Holy Spirit. And he calls you out. And he began to, 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 to cry out, blot out my sins... Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquities and cleanse me from sin. Blot out, wash out, and cleanse. David was comparing himself to a foul, dirty garment needing to be washed out, wiped away, 
cleanse me, O Lord. And verse 3, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. So David was beginning to take responsibility for his sin. David began to own his sin. Guess what? We need to own our sin. We need to do not say it was their fault or everyone was doing it or it's not that bad or, you know, that's Old Testament or the Lord understands or I'm doing better than I was last month. That's not owning it because we're not going to truly turn from our sin until we own it. And it's pretty embarrassing to own sin because we look in our heart and we see, and here's David. If David, man after going on God's heart, a, a, a man that worshiped and wrote worship, uh, a, really a great man called by God. And he said, it's time for me to own my sin. It's time for me to take responsibility. Verse 4, against you and only you have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you have proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. What do you mean? I sinned against God. Well, didn't he sin against Bathsheba and Uriah and sinned against the country and sinned against the man that he claimed to be? And the deepest, oh, you know, you can rationalize about anything. We've all done it. And so David came down to the most important point is I have sinned against my God. And against him, I have sinned. The other ones I've sinned against, but I'm going to go as deep as I possibly can, is David saying, I've rebelled against God. I am a sinner. And he owned it. And he realized, I don't know, I can sin against a friend and know that he's probably sinned against me. Or I could wrong someone and say he kind of deserved it. But when it comes to sinning against God, it's pretty serious. When you really kind of own that uh, we have sinned and David is beginning to own what he has done. And he goes down even a little deeper. Surely I have been sinful at birth. This is verse 5. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. I am broken and I have always been broken. And the only place to run is to you, O oh God. I've sinned against you. And verse 6 begins to talk about what God desires is not sin, but truth and wisdom. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. That inner man, Lord, change me from the inside out. The good news is uh, our God, our, our Father will do this. The good news is all we have to, he's already done it on that cross. I know how bad I am is a really important first step. And then knowing who to go to with that sin is an important step. And so David begins to just cry out 
declare, cleanse me, wash me, blot out my iniquities. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. You know what sin feels like? It feels good for a moment. The Bible says it feels good for a moment, but it says that your bones, you ever broken a bone? There's nothing that quite hurts so deeply than a broken bone. Uh, And sin has a way of crushing our spirit. Sin has a way of putting a load on us. And he says, my bones have been crushed. The pain of sin and the power of Calvary. As powerful as sin is in destroying us, Calvary is what? Greater. Amen? I'll let that sink in just for a moment. Thank you, Lord. You can pray this prayer. Cleanse me. Hyssop was a, a herb. It was a mint. It was used in ceremonial cleaning for those with leprosy. Even when someone touched death, you had to use hyssop to purify yourself. Uh, so what David was praying for was not just an outward cleansing, but an inward cleansing from his God, his Father. A spiritual cleansing. A restoration. A new start. A forgiveness. A redemption. Day and night, your hands were heavy upon me. Sin is painful. Verse 10. What happens? This is one of the, probably one of the most mighty verses around about what God will do when we repent. Because he will remove the sin. You will start over. What does it say? Create in me a what? A pure heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not take me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. You ever felt like you've sinned and it's done? That there won't be forgiveness? You willfully sin. I talked about that a little bit at youth group. Sometimes we accidentally sin. A lot of times we willfully sin. And we feel like, how can I ever go back to Calvary? I've been there a thousand times. Sometimes we feel like the Holy Spirit maybe has been lifted from us. And David had seen that happen in King Saul's life. So he was crying out, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Grant me a willing spirit. So we have, con- we have owning our sin. We have confession of our sin. We know that we need to do it through Jesus on the cross. And there's cleaning and there's purification. And now there's renewal, and then we're restored, and then we have a new spirit put within us. It doesn't stop there. Use me, oh God. Once, you, once I identify and, and, and know that I'm a sinner, 
And once I've confessed, and once you have taken that sin and removed it from me, then you begin to give me a new heart. And you don't just put me on a shelf, but you say, Lord, use me. I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will turn back to you, O God. Renew me, restore me, cleanse me, forgive me. Lord, use me, fill me. Let my mouth be used to share the goodness of the Lord. My tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare. You do not delight in sacrifices or I would bring it. You do not pleasure in burnt offerings. But what does he rejoice in? The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and humble heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Just bow your heads with me. Take this verse home with you. Make it one of those life verses. Take walks on the beach with this verse. Go to your quiet place, your favorite place. And what a wonderful place of confession. The fullness of what God has. Lord, teach us to pray this prayer of confession. Teach us, Lord, to see that you are the the way and the truth and the life and that no man comes to the Father except through you, Jesus, through the cross. Lord, break the power of sin in our life. Let us own that sin that is trying to crush us. Lord, Make us white as snow. Cleanse us and remove the sin that we easily walk in. Restore me, O oh God. Fill me so my eyes that are in you, O oh God. Fill me and use me to touch a world that needs hope. pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Next week, we'll spend a little more time on confession. Uh, I guess my pastoral challenge is to take Psalms 51 home and just spend some time with it. Often, I can't get out of the first verse because it declares that my God is merciful and that my God is everlasting love. And my God is there. And as I begin to understand how loving he is, I want to him, I want to know that. And I'm going to walk in obedience as I understand that. That it begins to kind of happen from the inside out of all of us. And then we get to kind of walk together. So Lord be with you. I think, I think we're done. I think we've had church today. Uh, if there are anyone who uh, wants to pray a prayer of confession, and today you sense that you haven't owned your sin,
And the Holy Spirit is just kind of convicting you. And when he convicts you, he wants to restore you and renew you. And so I think I'm going to be up here. I'm sure that Rick would love to be up here. And if you just comfortably, if you want some people to pray with, uh, Tom and Leo will be up here. We're, we're just going to kind of hang here. And we don't want you to leave and not have an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'll say bold enough, if you want to be baptized, I'll get back in that tank if you want me to. Well, I know this sounds crazy, but uh, we, we read about in our little book about crazy prayers. Sometimes we need to pray crazy prayers. Uh, we get crazy for the world, don't we? You ever, you're, you're crazy, crazy. and said, Lord, help me have a heart that it, I'm kind of crazy, a good crazy, not a bad crazy, a good crazy after you, oh God. Amen. So you got to give away 10 hugs, and if you want prayer, there's a few of us that will be up here, and we'd love to pray with you. God bless.